Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. President Biden is supposed to talk pretty soon with the king of Saudi Arabia, the official ruler of the country. But the big question is, is Biden ever going to talk to the guy who's actually in charge of the country? So who is the man in charge of Saudi Arabia? Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman rules Saudi Arabia day to day on behalf of his father, the king. And on Saudi Arabia, I would say, you know, we've made clear uh, from the beginning that we're going to recalibrate our relationship. A diplomatic crisis roiling since the October murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. But a new CIA assessment finds that Prince Mohammed bin Salman ordered the killing. One of the questions there was whether he would be speaking with uh, MBS. And part of that is going back to engagement counterpart to counterpart. The president's counterpart is King Salman. But, you know, if you really want to get anything done with Saudi Arabia, if you want to stop Iran's nuclear program, if you want to end the war in Yemen, that sort of thing, at some point you're probably going to have to deal with him. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Nahal Tusi on Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and President Biden's new approach to Saudi Arabia. Mohammed bin Salman is the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, and he's essentially the de facto ruler of the country right now. The new crown prince has been a powerful figure in Saudi politics and has had a hand in nearly everything in the kingdom, from the ongoing war in Yemen to economic reform aimed at breaking the kingdom away from what the prince has called an addiction to oil. He's 35 or thereabouts, which means that when his father passes away and his father is 85, MBS, as he's commonly known, could rule the country for decades. So this is one reason that U.S. officials really have wanted to get to know him. But the big drawback is that he has made some moves that have really caused a lot of problems in the relationship. Malnutrition and disease are killing more than 100 children every day in Yemen, according to aid agencies, piling on to the toll that comes with the business of war. One of those things has been pursuing the war in Yemen. Today, yet another airstrike killing civilians was blamed on the Saudi-led coalition fighting Houthi rebels backed by Iran. And the other big thing has been the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi, who used to write for The Washington Post. Now, a new crisis pointed the disappearance of Saudi Arabian journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Reports swirl today that the Saudi government will admit that he was killed at its consulate in Istanbul, Turkey. Sources have revealed that Jamal Khashoggi's body parts have apparently been found. We know that the Turkish authorities were looking in a forest area uh, on the outskirts of Istanbul. There's a belief uh, in many circles that MBS ordered that killing. Saudi Arabia is facing international criticism after closing the trial of those who murdered the journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Now, the court didn't name the people it convicted, but those behind the so-called hit squad escaped punishment, as did Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who is widely believed to have ordered the killing. And so there's a lot of concern in Washington from Republicans as well as Democrats that we're talking about, you know, a brutal potential dictator for Saudi Arabia. And they just, uh, they don't necessarily trust the guy. The question, the question that everyone is really after this week is, does Trump believe Saudi Arabia 
was behind the disappearance and likely murder of Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. The Trump administration saw MBS as the person that they had to deal with, and they embraced him, essentially, even after the Jamal Khashoggi killing. And even as the evidence continues to pile up, Trump has seemed extremely reluctant to blame Saudi Arabia. President Trump put out this statement that was really remarkable. I mean, it literally, the, the first words were, the world is a very dangerous place. And in this statement, President Trump basically said, you know, maybe MBS knew about the killing and ordered it, or maybe he didn't. Maybe We'll never know. Many people have suspected that it's because of money. And it turns out that Trump also suspects that it's because of money. <laughs> Don't forget, Saudi Arabia is our partner. They made the largest order in the history of our country for outside, outside of our country, mm -hmm. for, for weapons. Trump said that because of U.S. arms sales to Saudi Arabia, because of the desire to stand with the Saudis against Iran, which Trump saw as the bigger threat, that he would basically overlook these human rights allegations against MBS uh, because, you know, we just had to deal with the guy and we had more important things to do. So, Nahal, now Biden is in office. He's been there for nearly a month. On the campaign trail, he was hypercritical of Trump's approach to the country and to MBS. Khashoggi was, in fact, murdered and dismembered, and I believe in the order of the crown prince. And I would make it very clear, we were not going to, in fact, sell more weapons to them. We were going to, in fact, make them pay the price and make them, in fact, the pariah that they are. Are we seeing a shift in U.S. policy now toward Saudi Arabia? Well, one thing uh, we've seen is that the Biden administration has not said whether or not it's going to engage directly with Mohammed bin Salman. That, uh, you know, President Biden, on uh, one of the questions there was whether he would be speaking with uh, MBS. And part of that is going back to engagement counterpart to counterpart. The president's counterpart is King Salman. And I expect that in appropriate time, he would have a conversation with him. I don't and that's really interesting because, look, he's basically running the country. His father, as one person put it to me, is sort of like the chairman of the board. Uh, and that's about it. He's kind of checked out. Uh, but the Biden administration hasn't said whether they'll talk to him or deal with him directly, uh, even though he actually is also the defense minister. So if you're like Secretary Lloyd Austin over at the Pentagon, are you going to talk to him or, or not? Uh, and when you do, what are you going to say? Are you going to raise human rights? Uh, I think one thing we can expect is that MBS is not going to get invited to the White House anytime soon. There's not going to be a state dinner or anything like that. And as long as King Salman is alive and technically still the official ruler, that kind of provides the Biden administration with a buffer of sorts. Uh, but, you know, if you really want to get anything done with Saudi Arabia, if you want to stop Iran's nuclear program, if you want to end the war in Yemen, that sort of thing, at some point, you're probably going to have to deal with him. The question is, how open are you going to be about it? Well, let's talk a bit more about that. What should we know about Yemen and how the Biden administration is approaching the war in Yemen and how it relates to Saudi Arabia and our relationship with the country. Okay, so a bit of backstory. In 2014 or so, a group known as the Houthis, a rebel group in Yemen, 
essentially went after the government in Yemen, pushed them out. To Yemen and fresh violence at the presidential palace in the capital Sana'a. This a day after Houthi rebels, who opposed the country's new draft constitution, clashed with troops in the area. The Houthis are backed to some degree by Iran, apparently to a, a growing degree in the years since. And they largely want to rule Yemen. Now, Saudi Arabia saw the Houthi rise as a huge threat to them from Iran. CNN is the first news crew to be shown this Houthi rocket brought down last month, about 15 miles from Riyadh. It is evidence, officials here say, Iran is backing the Yemeni rebels. And so in 2015, the Saudis launched a war to get the rebels out of power and put the Yemeni government back in. A neighborhood near the Yemeni capital, Sana'a, controlled by the Houthi rebels, the target of airstrikes led by Saudi Arabia. These pictures are from a Houthi television channel, which is also reporting tens of civilian casualties. The United States at the time under Obama decided for a number of reasons, including trying to get the Iran deal going, uh, that they needed to back the Saudis in this. And so the U.S. provided various types of assistance, for instance, certain uh, munitions, certain intelligence sharing, certain training, that sort of thing. In theory, it was designed to help the Saudis cause fewer civilian casualties and less misery. There's a stark warning tonight that millions of children in Yemen could be pushed to the brink of starvation unless international aid is dramatically stepped up. Uh, it did it not really quite work out that way, however. And in the years since, the U.S., including under Trump, has really pulled back its role in that particular war. Now, Biden has said that the U.S. is stopping all support for offensive Saudi actions in Yemen. And to underscore our commitment, we're ending all American support for offensive operations in the war in Yemen, including relevant arms sales. And he has appointed a diplomat, Tim Lenderking, uh, to try to find a way to bring this war in Yemen to an end. The Saudis themselves want to bring this war to an end, uh, but the Houthis, it's, it's a little bit tough to say exactly where they are on this. And peace talks have really gone nowhere. But the one thing that is for sure is that the Yemeni people have been suffering. I mean, they are literally starving. Experts say that Yemen is the biggest man-made humanitarian disaster in the world. It just didn't have to happen, and it has. Hmm. Before I let you go, Nahal, I'm curious, as we watch Biden and his State Department navigate a new approach to MBS and to Saudi Arabia, why should we care? Like, what makes our relationship with Saudi Arabia at the end of the day so important? You know, that's a good question, because increasingly, a lot of people are wondering whether the relationship really is that important. If you'd asked several years ago, uh, it would have been because they are a major oil producer, and they still are, and we have purchased their oil, and we need their help in, you know, deterring Iran. But for the Biden administration now, uh, given that the U.S. is now a leading producer of energy on its own, we don't rely on the Saudis as much. Uh, we are looking to focus more on dealing with China and Asia and that sort, those sorts of areas, which are sort of the future. And we're trying to reduce our footprint in the Middle East. Um, you know, it's, it is questionable how important the Saudis are to the U.S. relationship. Now, there is the desire to continue fighting terrorist organizations, and the Saudis are important in that. But, you know, are we overemphasizing our relationship with that particular country? Well, there are plenty of people who will argue that the Saudis need us more than we need them. 
Nahal Tusi. Thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you so much for having me. Also today, former President Trump is lashing out at House Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, issuing a caustic and highly personal statement attacking McConnell for failing to back his attempts to undermine the 2020 election. In a statement released by his PAC on Tuesday, Trump called McConnell a, quote, dour, sullen, and unsmiling political hack and said Republicans who stay with him will not win again. Even though McConnell voted against convicting Trump at the Senate impeachment trial, he said from the Senate floor that Trump was, quote, practically and morally responsible for the insurrection, which left at least five people dead. A spokesperson for McConnell did not immediately respond to a request for comment on Trump's statement, but in an interview with Politico over the weekend, the minority leader suggested that he was not going to allow Trump to stand in the way of Republicans taking back the Senate majority in 2022. And a return to the moon is looking like it might have to wait a bit. NASA is currently reviewing the Trump administration's plan to send American astronauts to the moon again by 2024, and plans to decide in the next few months whether the first three missions now scheduled for the Artemis program will need to be delayed. In an interview with Politico, acting NASA Administrator Steve Jersick said, quote, it's probably going to take two to three months to work through all that and determine the feasibility of 2024. And at that point, the space agency will decide if they need a different schedule. It's been widely anticipated that the 2024 goal would be impossible to meet. But Jersic's comments to Politico mark the first public acknowledgement by the agency that the aggressive timeline is in jeopardy. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing and want to help us out, leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast app and tell a friend to check out the show. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening. <laughs>